From the Parents Club, I'm Carson Kolnicki. This is your briefing. Today, we're discussing minimalist parenting. Enjoy modern family life more by doing less by Christine Coe and Asha Dornfest. This title presents a new conception of parenting, fewer rules and more listening to your gut. The authors explain an approach to raising a family that puts your personal and family values at the heart of life as a parent. Vincent Fanvan on key takeaways and what you need to know. Vincent, what is minimalist parenting? Minimalist parenting is about trusting your own values and preferences again. This approach is perfect for parents who frequently find themselves feeling overwhelmed by all the different content out there and keeping up with changing parenting trends. It's written by two authors, Dr. Christine Coe, who's a psychologist specializing in behavioral and cognitive science, and Asha Dornfest is an expert on lifestyle and parenting, and they talk about how to strike a healthy balance between both being a parent and a professional. Lots of parents stop doing things for themselves, and they focus their lives on their kids, but the authors believe that becoming a parent doesn't mean that your old life is gone forever. In this title, they demonstrate that keeping your dreams and passions alive is not only good for you and your relationship, but it's also good for your children. So is minimalist parenting another parenting style, or does it present rules for parents to follow? No, and that's what makes their approach to parenting kind of unique. The authors argue that it's not about following strict rules. It's about giving yourself permission to reject expectations and the ever-changing ways of ideal parenting. It's about living your life, a joyful life that fits your personal values and not necessarily those of others. Parenting in this way, they say, makes your kids stronger and allows them to grow. That really sounds ideal. So how would parents get started in minimalist parenting? Well, they say that there's no strict rules in minimalist parenting. The authors present some steps to help parents get started And so, according to the authors, the first thing that parents should do is clear their mindset. They say that you should begin with a fresh mindset that challenges the demand of, quote-unquote, more. One way to do this is to stop comparing yourself to other parents. Even if their children have more toys, get better grades, do more activities, their style of parenting is not necessarily or might not necessarily match yours. They say that everyone has to develop their own unique path. Next, they suggest dropping the idea of being perfect. Instead, they say you should focus on improving bit by bit. You want to remember that you're not alone in your struggles and that other parents often share the same worries. So being able to find a space to talk about your experience with them could be beneficial. As in a community of parents? Yes, they say that you should either join a community or turn to a support system of other parents. Well, good thing this parents club. Yeah. So finally, remember that more doesn't necessarily mean safer or better. They say that minimalist parenting is all about you and that the real importance lies in being present, minimizing, and being happy with yourself. They say that these things will benefit you, your children's life, and your entire family's well-being. So what exactly do the authors mean when they say minimalist parenting is about you? You have to learn to be able to trust yourself, your interests, and your decisions. And so what the authors mean by that is that every family, every parent, and every child is different. It's important to know that what works for other parents or other children may not work in your situation, and they say that's okay. As a parent, you consume information from a lot of different resources, from other parents, 
but you should check your own sources and weigh your decision against your family situation. They suggest that you should feel what is right for you, even if that means not following the herd of what many other parents do. The authors argue that this should be your main priority. When you treat yourself well, you can be your best self in your relationships with your partner, your children, your family, and the community around you. Does minimalist parenting focus more on self-care in addition to entire family well-being? Yeah, the author's advice is not to feel that self-care is selfish. And so that actually practicing self-care is good in showing your children how to care for themselves. And so they suggest that self-care is critical to a healthy life and is easy to do if you start small. For example, allowing yourself to care about how you look. Even if you work at home, they say, you know, if you get out of your old yoga pants or sweatpants occasionally and put on something that makes you feel great, it'll make you feel better. And so this also applies to spending time with your partner and your relationship. Whether that's with children, it's easy to do family things or discuss managing family logistics with your partner. But rather than spending your time together with kids or doing things for the family, they say that you should start making room for just pointless fun again for the sake of fun. So it seems like minimalist parenting will give you the time to focus on who you are and who you want to become. But as good as this sounds, how does it work in practice and how do you make more time for yourself while still handling everything else as a parent? Yeah, that's what I thought too. While it may seem too good to be true right now, the authors answer how you can put this into practice. They say that the primary way to implement minimalist parenting is by using time management. And so time obviously is a limited resource. So rather than asking, how do I fit everything in? You should ask, what's the most important thing to fit in? Since you're managing your time and helping your family manage their time, you have to recognize the rhythm of your family and allow for some flexibility. Can you give an example of what the authors mean by this? Yeah, the authors give a hypothetical story. Let's say you're an early riser. You could try to work in the morning and rest in the afternoon. Likewise, if your teenage child is a night owl, you don't want to force him or her to study early in the day. Instead, it might be better to let them stay up and use that time to study instead. Ultimately, time is a tool and you can use it to schedule wisely. So if you set aside time for yourself during your golden hours, the time when your energy is at its peak, then you can set aside family time while you also allow for transition in between. They say you should be mindful of things that you prioritize and make sure that you prioritize time to be able to also do things for yourself. Another piece of advice from the authors is to tackle hard things first so that you have enough energy to do them and leave time for serendipitous encounters, time with nothing at all to do or time that's open for your children. In addition, allowing yourself to decline activities that you and your family don't want to do is really healthy as well. So, for example, should you save some chores for your children to save parents' time? They say yes. Giving your kids chores as soon as possible also helps with time management. It makes them feel like they're more valuable as part of a family. That makes sense. So, another thing that comes to mind when I think of minimalist is spring cleaning or having your house styled as minimalistic. Does the state of your house have anything to do with minimalistic parenting? Yeah, I thought the same thing. And yes, the authors say that the state of your home is an important aspect in minimalist parenting. They argue that having less stuff will make you a better parent. 
And that minimalist parenting isn't about depriving yourself of buying things or getting rid of everything in your home. It's about only buying the things that you need and keeping things that you love. For many people, decluttering feels overwhelming, but you can start small. For each item, as a rule of thumb, you can ask yourself whether you would really pay to replace it if you lost it in a fire. Honestly, that might help parents out financially too, because you're buying less things and have more money left as a result. But in some cases, more money doesn't equal a better life, is what they say. While it can help you alleviate stress from paying bills or other necessities, money can also cause stress due to the options that it offers and heightened expectations. But if you find yourself with more money left over as a result of buying fewer things, you could choose to work less and instead have more time for yourself and more time for your family. So when you're buying things, one question that the author suggests that you think about comes from, do I have enough money and do I truly need it or do I want it because others have it? That's a really good point. So also parents can use this as an opportunity to teach their kids about finances and how to manage their own money. Exactly. It's an opportunity to help them understand where money comes from and how much things cost. That's also a good point. So it seems like there's an underlying theme in minimalist parenting that is about relieving extra stress. Is that true? Yeah, that is a component of minimalist parenting. Another area the authors say is that stress comes from is education. Education generates stress for parents because you want your child to be really good in school and have stimulating toys, be able to read early, be able to play an instrument, speak a different language. But the author suggests that you should actually drop these expectations. Minimalist parenting embraces continual learning. So once you realize that your child is learning all the time, you'll no longer be under pressure like finding the perfect school. So what does continual learning look like? Part of ongoing education means cultivating curiosity in your children. You can do this by listening to different types of music or bringing home new and exciting food. Another example is going grocery shopping together and letting your kids pick what they want to eat, encouraging responsibility and independence and making them feel like their decisions and knowledge are valued. The authors note that everyday learning and learning in the home environment are at least as important as your child's school curriculum. Schools are central education environments, and while they're important, they must be compatible with your actual day-to-day -day living. So if a long commute to a slightly better school is interfering with living costs or time with family or time with friends, then they say that you might want to suggest uh, considering a different option. Okay, I get that. So what about the stress that comes from the central education environment, like a classroom? I feel like when I was growing up, I had so much stress that was centered around school itself. Yeah, good question. There are a few strategies that the authors note make the school years easier for the whole family. First, homework belongs to your children. So parents should try to eliminate themselves from that task. They say that next, you want to get involved with teachers in the school community. School is a team effort and all parents are in it together. And so when you get to know classmates or you volunteer at school, you'll find that school-related matters become more enjoyable. They also say that parents shouldn't try to be perfect because every small step or effort is good progress. And so don't feel like you're a failure just because you can't make breakfast every day or volunteer at school. So now that school is covered, what about the time spent outside of school? 
When it comes to outside of school activities like playtime or extracurriculars, the authors say that they are important but shouldn't be planned too strictly. Children need playtime, but they don't need to follow a strict plan. So as a parent, you don't need to stress out about which extracurriculars or playtime activities are best for children. What matters the most is to put playtime into your schedule and make it simple and good fun. And they also say that you don't have to play with your kids every second. You should allow them to have independent play. This requires fewer toys, reduces clutter, and makes room for more creativity. Even chores can have a playful element to them, and you don't necessarily have to distinguish them from play. That's a good point. So what about electronic devices or electronic toys? Yeah, electronic toys are definitely a mixed blessing. There are people on both sides of the debate of whether they harm or actually help children develop. But you don't have to be restricted to either side. Minimalist parenting suggests that you find a balance that fits with your family. Dr. Coe reminds parents that electronics are only one kind of activity that your child can engage in. So going outdoors to forests or beaches or using wooden toys are also important. And these activities can stimulate your child and let them learn how to play without store-bought toys. So when you're finding the right balance between extracurricular activities, should parents keep an open mind? Since there's no universal perfect approach, you should go with your child's interests, right? Exactly. And this will allow your child's space to find their own passions and talents. Once they've found those, you can encourage them without having to push. True. So what about spending time with family? Where does that fit in? Well, if you're a parent who is stressing out about your next family vacation or birthday or family reunion, they say that you don't have to. Family bonding happens in many different scenarios, even casual ones. For example, a shared meal is a great way for families to connect. You can even shop and cook together and have everybody help by carrying out a different task. They say that it should be fun, easy, and not too stressful. It sounds like the key takeaway from this title is that having children doesn't mean that you and your interests have to come last on the family priority list. Rather than looking for new ideas on parenting, listen to your gut and prioritize your family's values. Simplifying in this way will create more space and time for you to develop together and as individuals. And that's it for your briefing. I'm Carson Kolnicki. And I'm Vincent Fanvan. We'll see you again next time.